0: Welcome to the second episode of season four of Pause and Listen, the podcast from Pause. I'm Claire Laxton, Director of Communications and Influencing at Pause, and will be your host for this episode. For any new listeners out there, Pause is a national charity working with women who've experienced and are at risk of having their children removed from their care. We offer an intensive, trauma-informed model of support to women, so that the removal of a child should never have to happen more than once. So in this episode of Pause and Listen, we're going to be looking at the recently published report from the Independent Review of Children's Social Care in England, or the Care Review for short. Regular listeners will know that last year we interviewed the chair of that review, Josh McAllister, for the podcast, and he talked about a wide range of themes the review was looking at, including support for birth parents. Now the Care Review published its final report in May this year, we're going to take a bit of a deeper look at what it says about support for birth parents and relationships with children. As a bit of a reminder, we've worked with the Care Review team over the past year to ensure the experiences of women who work with PAUSE are represented in the final report. We wanted to see recognition of the needs of birth parents and a clear recommendation for them to receive support. We wanted to see changes to family time, relationships with children and letterbox contact systems as well. The Care Review team have spent a lot of time with women who work with pauses and we're grateful for them for listening to their feedback. We're also really grateful to all the women who have given up their time to talk to the Care Review team and influence the Care Review report. <laughs> Now we're going to hear from Ellen Marks, Director of Practice and Learning at PAUSE. And Ellen is also a qualified social worker and play therapist. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Claire. I guess inevitably, first question is what were your initial reactions and thoughts on reading the Care Review report and recommendations they
1: made? I read all 260-something pages of it and I've gone away and thought about it. There are bits of it that I really welcome I think it's ambitious I was pleasantly surprised by its thoroughness and I also strongly got the sense all the way through that families young people those with lived experience those with care experience had actually really been an integral part of it in terms of the bits that resonate and chime with me recognition that things are not going very well at the moment
0: and the reasons behind that that were some of those weren't about the system but were about poverty and inequality yes
1: I would have liked to have seen it go slightly farther thinking about why over the last 10-12 years things have got particularly difficult but it also really had the idea that relationships are at the heart of what matters for children and families yeah I welcomed that recognition it talked about children needing to feel loved and wanted and belonging and that's not language you often have in government type reviews so in that respect I thought there were aspects of it that were quite brave. Thinking
0: particularly around the women who work with Paws and their families and children what do you think of the recommendations for their support and recognition of their experiences? I
1: thought there were a couple of things I mean there were some specific recommendations about Parents when they've had their children taken into care, yeah. and that it doesn't stop when courts make decisions and parents are left falling off a cliff at that point. And I thought it was good; it recognised and I, and identified that so that parents can be given the right kind of support at a time when it's desperately needed, and at a time when the women that pause works with tell us they feel abandoned and ignored, and that all the support follows the children. Of course, support support has to follow the children, but what happens to the parents. But I suppose I was also thinking about how things might have been for families had support been offered in a slightly different way earlier on. I know from my work with pause and talking and listening to lots of women that they didn't experience what was offered to them as helpful or supportive. When social workers are involved earlier on when children are with families, they experience it as frightening, confusing, judgmental, yeah. don't understand what's going on, I'm a big believer in multidisciplinary working so that you would have family support yeah. hubs, domestic violence expert, drug and alcohol expert, mental health support all around a family. I also really like the idea of taking services back out into the community. And there were some specific things. I really welcomed the talk of having protected status for care leavers. Yeah, I thought that was a really helpful suggestion. Not that people are care leavers for all of their lives, but for some people, whether you're 25, 35, 45, 55s, that care experience has shaped aspects of your life. That's sort
0: of recognition that parents who were care experienced and had also had children removed from their care experienced that real intergenerational failure from the system and that mm-hmm. they did need to be included in the support that birth parents got.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Being care experienced doesn't in any way mean that you're going to not be a good parent. Being care experienced means there will probably always be more scrutiny of your parenting, which yeah. can feel quite unfair. One of the bravest things in the review was tackling the awful provision of residential care for adolescents. I started off life as a residential social worker. I'm a big believer good residential care can work really well for some people but what we've got now are private companies making a fortune and children's lives and families lives and the disadvantage and the misery that sometimes goes alongside should not be a way to make profits for anyone. You can see the way that the press have picked it up, because I think people are quite rightly shocked and appalled at Nepal that knowing A, how yeah. much money some of these private companies are earning, and B, the appalling care that children and young people are receiving. Yeah.
0: The other thing that the review did for me, thinking about children's experiences, was really highlighted the importance of... Contact arrangements, family time, talked really specifically about improvements needed in letterbox contact. Women that we work with talk about that a lot and it's, it's a huge priority for them. Yeah. Is that the first time you've seen that really highlighted from a national review as is is an issue that needs to be addressed?
1: Yeah, absolutely it is. It's the first time they've talked about contact, specifically talking and thinking about... W- letterbox contact the meaning of contact how you maintain those threads of attachment the importance not just for birth parents but the importance for children and for adoptive parents foster carers mm-hmm. whoever it might be it reflected a lot of the work that we've been doing and it gave voice to the women who have been telling us this because we know that contact with children is the number one priority mm-hmm for women yeah. across pools and it has been consistently for the last five years yeah. to get to a stage where that's being recognised at a review level and hopefully a government implementation level is truly really positive
0: and it does feel like people are talking more about maintaining links and contact arrangements and family time recognising the importance of it for children families and birth parents as well and it feels like there's a bit of a, a shift towards trying to make
1: improvements there. Hopefully, I think there's a bit of momentum. Mm-hmm. And I think it's part of a wider debate, which is what is the meaning of adoption in the 21st century? Just because you're 18 or 28 or 38 or 48, it doesn't stop you being a child who's been adopted. We're understanding more and more about that. If it can be done safely, it absolutely would be a child's best interest to yeah. know who they are. We hear that from adoptive parents as well, don't we? Causes contributing to that and the bit that we are doing uniquely is that we are helping birth mothers have a dialogue to talk about the things that are important to them in a way that maybe hasn't happened in the same way before. I'm not talking about on on an individual level, but on Mm -hmm. an organisational level. It was really good to see that the review had heard that and reflected that.
0: And one of the things that we recommended when we submitted a response to the review and in our ideas, for the care review and that women talked about when they talked to the care review team was this idea of like a post-proceedings panel that yeah. sets up multidisciplinary professionals to help birth parents after proceedings if their children have been removed. The review didn't go as far to suggest that sort of systemic change but can you just talk a little bit through what that could look like and why we think it's a positive idea?
1: Sure, what the idea is is that when care proceedings conclude and the judge makes a decision, and if the, that decision is that that child, or those children are not going to return back to birth parents, then what happens for those parents? What then happens to them? It very often is not very much. They're very likely to have been a number of assessments done, recommendations made about avenues for support, but who's able to help them understand what that is? Having your child permanently taken away from you is about as draconian as our legal system gets and the trauma and the anger and the confusion that sits alongside that means that parents are understandably really really struggling now the system the support follows the child who's there to help that parent the idea about a post proceedings panel is that all the professionals who have a responsibility would be given just the key information so i'm thinking about adult mental health services drug and alcohol services domestic violence services housing police community support teams whoever's around to say right things have been so difficult for this person they the courts have decided they can't look after their child that child is now safe almost that you see care proceedings as an alarm bell as a warning bell to say oh, that's a very difficult thing that's happened that child is now safe what do we do How do we help this person so that it doesn't happen again and so that that trauma doesn't have to be repeated and repeated and repeated? And in an area where you've got something like a pause or another service, then that service would pick it up. But where you don't, who's following up? Who's checking in on them? Who's caring about them? Who's finding out how they're coping? Having just had their children taken into care, they're still living in a house full of memories and debt and awfulness. And they're too scared or embarrassed or humiliated or angry to leave their house and do anything who's going to help them? That's the idea behind a post proceedings panel that it would be about identifying and connecting the key community resources who would then help a parent and it would be different for each parent because each yeah. parent situation would be different.
0: That parent has experienced the removal of a child you put this post proceeding panel and support around them afterwards to hopefully prevent another child being taken into care. So you're front-loading that support and investment and that feels like the sort of change in the
1: system that we need. Women have said to me, I've come out of proceedings, I've got these assessments, I've got these recommendations, but I don't know what to do with it. Where do I go with that? I remember really early on, we worked quite closely with one of the judges in the East London Family Courts. And we interviewed her for something and she talked about signposting and people often will tell parents, well, you can get this help there or you can get this help here. And I remember she said, you know, I've often wondered how people follow the signs when they're that upset. And it really with yeah. me because you can signpost someone and say, well, if you need help with this, that's where you go. But if you're living in a car on the top of a multi-storey car park or you're too scared and ashamed or upset to leave your home and face people in your community, how do you follow those signs? A post proceedings panel would identify what support is available, what support is needed and who's going to help a parent get there.
0: As we said, that change wasn't recommended in the review, but we will continue to talk about it and push for that change because it does feel like the right thing that's needed. So thinking about the review and the report, it's made all those recommendations.
1: Where is it going next? It just around an implementation panel. And they're also talking about a five-year transformational plan. Mm-hmm. I guess we have to wait and see. The government is in a bit of flux at the moment, isn't it? We are going to have a change in leadership of the government I would hate that all of this gets lost in that. So I don't know is the answer
0: to that. Um, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's what recommendations the government want to accept, how they will pay for that, the chance that they might be having with Treasury around that, and then what that implementation will look like. Will it be a piece of legislation? For us, it's so important that this isn't lost through changes in leadership and changes of ministers because the voices of people with experience of the system feel like they have been heard in this review and it outlines a lot of positive changes as well as some other controversial ones but I think there's been a lot of work there's been a lot of input from a lot of people
1: and I think whether you work still in the statutory service or you work outside the statutory service or a bit like myself you move between the two of them I think you hear the experiences of families who come to or who are referred to statutory children's services for support statutory social worker knocking on someone's door in a child protection capacity you kind of have to expect people to be upset angry unsure wary not always telling you everything that's going on for a whole range of reasons not because they're being deceitful but because they're frightened and they don't know what's going on I think for me the biggest thing and I've thought this for a while even before the review social work should be about compassion and I think statutory social work at times has quite frankly lost its way with that and that's not to say that you can't have some really difficult challenging conversations with people because you are there to keep children safe and there are parents who don't always understand that and there are some parents who don't tell you the truth but they're the minority I and mean, you've got to think about what's happened to that person to get them to that stage you're still going to help keep that child safe but you yeah. can approach it with compassion and transparency mm-hmm. and professionalism and a a bit of care To me, that really came through in terms of not just parents, but kinship carers and people and SGOs. Social work has lost its way a bit. And I would say, well, that's because a system has been created around social work that doesn't reward that kind of work. What is rewarded is if you fill your forms in on time. The fact that you can sit down and have a cup of tea with a a parent when you've just removed their child and they cannot scream at you, that doesn't get rewarded so much. But actually, that's what we need to be able to do.
0: Yeah, it's very difficult to create those professional relationships that include compassion and trust, but actually it can be done. How do you
1: balance compassion and care with an appropriate and transparent use of power? Because social workers do have power and there's no getting away from that. And there is no getting away from the fact that social workers are judgmental. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what the courts are asking us to do, to make a judgment about whether this child is safe or not but it should be able to be done. And I've seen it done in such a way. Parent can be absolutely furious with you and disagree with you, but can still have a conversation with you and not feel like you've treated them with utter contempt. It's about being able to balance both those things. What I took strongly throughout this was that statutory social work today is not good at doing that. I'm a social worker. I've been doing this job for 25 odd years. It's not nice to have it read back to you about how people experience you, but equally we have to be able to listen to that and reflect on it.
0: Well, thanks so much, Ellen. I feel like we've had a nice, well rounded, well ranging conversation about the care review, and it's been really good to hear your insights and expertise and some of the recommendations and what the care review said. And I think for lots of other organisations and people, it's very much watch this space in terms of how the care review will be enacted. We'll be supporting and writing to the minister to, to tell them what we believe and what recommendations we really value. But I think we do need to see what the next stage is and how we can support women again to be involved and get their voices heard. Thanks so much, Ellen, for sharing your thoughts on the Care Review and what it could mean for women who work with PAUSE and their children and families across the country. You can find out more about the PAUSE response to the Care Review on our website. We'll be back soon with another episode. But in the meantime, if you want to find out more about PAUSE, just go to PAUSE.org.uk or find us on Twitter or Instagram at PAUSE.org. If you're new to this podcast and enjoyed it, you can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.